You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Cassie, thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited because you bought Prosecco, so you are already my spirit animal. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. I love it. (laughs) So good. All right, let's do this. So you are the founder or co-founder? Founder? Co-founder. Co-founder. Good. I'm glad I got that right straight up. Another half. Yeah. (laughs) Better half, maybe. Oh, no, I doubt it. Um, So you are the co-founder of Butter Insurance. Tell everybody first what the heck butter insurance actually is. So butter is an insurance business that's changing the way insurance is sold, delivered and managed. We want to make insurance cool again. If it ever was cool in the first place, actually, to be honest, Um, you know, everyone hates talking about insurance as kind of this ugly corner of financial services that no one really wants to think about or touch it's you know like it's never been exciting and it's kind of a shame because um it's an important part of financial wellness and we see it as an important part of financial wellness so we are making insurance easy flexible affordable and kind of bringing it back to um you know people like us like younger people who kind of need um, smaller insurance, more micro insurance, more flexible insurance that they mm. can kind of pay really easily. Yeah. Um, and the way that we're doing that to start off with is by offering a single item insurance product. So, you know, you're able to protect just the things that you love, whether that's your iPhone or your designer handbag or your snowboard, like whatever it is that's your pride that's and cool. joy mm. yeah, that, you, that you've saved, you know, weeks or months for. And, yeah. you know, this is like your favorite thing in the world. You can insure just that item um, really cheaply, like $2 a week uh, oh, instead wow. of, you know, your whole entire house, which people don't really need that much when you're young, you know. Mm. Um, we were renters and um, still am actually. And it, it was kind of like, well, I don't really want to insure my Ikea dining table, but my jewelry yeah. is really expensive and yes. you know, I need that. So it's kind of getting to that, you know, real micro insurance, real flexible insurance, really affordable insurance that is not so dark and scary and boring as the rest of insurance is. Yeah. And I love that you said, um, you know, it's a key part of financial wellness. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a really interesting movement going on right now. And, and obviously you've not said that you're particularly female focused, but I know for women, there's a particular journey that a lot of people on at the moment about becoming more financially independent and aware. And I think Mm -hmm. you're right. Like insurance is so boring. (laughs) 
but it is so boring. It's but okay. it's such, <laughs> but, but it is such a critical part, right? Of yeah. you know, kind of being an adult and making sure the things that we have and love are protected, whether it be yeah. ourselves or our things or our whatever. So mm-hmm. I love that. This is a super cool concept. Yeah, I think it's like you know, if you break your laptop or your iPhone or something, um, and you don't have two three grand in your account to to buy another one and you need it for work mm. or uni or whatever mm. then people have to turn to like credit cards or buy now pay later they're getting into yeah. debt to replace these items and we don't want that so kind of being a little bit more preventative about that and um, protecting yourself is is what we're trying to do I love it so much. So you said that you were renters and A, you didn't want to, you know, ensure the Ikea dining table, but the jewellery was important. Is that literally how you came up with the idea or did something else that was, start the process? That was literally it. I wow. I um I actually broke a pair of earrings. I got a pair of earrings from my fiance as a gift, mm. um, a really expensive pair of Sarah and Sebastian hoops, which I oh, loved. Yes. And yeah, and I broke one of the, the clasps of one of them broke and, it, and one of them fell out of my ear and it was, you know, really expensive to replace. Mm. And I was complaining to Steph about how, you know, I didn't have insurance and, you know, I was going to, I was up for kind of $600 and it was really frustrating. Mm. And she was complaining back to me about how she'd spilt water all over her MacBook oh, and had like oh. a similar kind of damage experience. And um, we were at a party, we were drinking wine, which, you know, that's always a good recipe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, and we kind of thought there's, there should be some kind of insurance that you can just take out on those really expensive few things. Mm. Um, and then it kind of started as a side hustle and it was us just messaging back and forth and uh, taking meetings at our full-time jobs on the side. <laughs> and it. it kind of just, it, yeah, it just grew from there. And now we've been at it for, you know, over a year now, which is wild. That's so cool. And so, okay, so you said you had a full-time job. How, what's the backstory here? Do you, um, did you have, yeah, career, other businesses? Like what's the pre-butter journey? So I didn't have any insurance experience, that's for sure. I never worked in insurance. I didn't have another business. I was actually working as a lawyer. Um, I was a commercial lawyer, yeah, at at a firm in Sydney, um, I was doing like M&A and equity capital markets, which was very financial, lots of contracts, um, that kind of thing. So quite different in terms of like I'd never done insurance before or anything like that, but um, the skills were quite transferable, like in, you know, commercial negotiation and things like that, mm. which helped a bit. Yeah. But it was quite a jump. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I mean, and that's going into today's chat. That is the biggest question I had for you. I was like, insurance? Like how the heck mm-hmm. do you go? Oh, by the way, guys, I'm starting an insurance company. I feel like, I mean, now that you're saying you had the legal background, I feel like you're like in tune with a lot of the stuff you would have had to bring together. But insurance for me feels super regulated, super difficult to get into. Like what's it been like? So, I mean, being lawyers, so Steph also started like, she's a trained lawyer as well. So oh, cool. being lawyers, it, it helped a little bit that we were comfortable like navigating around the reg and compliance so it didn't mm. really scare us that much um the other thing is I feel like insurance companies love to make you feel like insurance is really complicated because then yes. you don't question them as much about you know why is my premium so high or why am I paying for this 
you know, crazy health insurance that I've never used. And their kind of response is, oh, don't worry, we do some dark magic with risk in the background and don't Mm. worry, you're kind of pretty little head about it. So (laughs) thank you. That's how I feel. That is how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Mm. they do that on purpose so that it's like, you know, you don't question it as much. Um, Mm. We think insurance should be super accessible. Um, and it's not as complex as it kind of seems. So, you know, it, it was an idea that started that we became a little bit obsessed with. And don't get me wrong, there's always the in- imposter syndrome that creeps in that's kind of like, you, what do you, who do you think you are running an insurance business? Like you're crazy, but <laughs> it's not as complex as it, as it should be, I guess is yes. the answer. Yeah. So it was, it was a tricky kind of jump because it was different. Mm. Um, but you learn, you learn as you go and you make things up as you go. And it's all, it's all fun. I love that. And I mean, you're spot on, right? I guess you could say that about any different business, you know, people coming into product-based businesses where they've never manufactured Mm -hmm. something in their life, or, you know, I started a software company and I'm not a developer. So you do exactly figure it out. You just learn like, and you're all consumers of that product. You know what I mean? Like, even if you've never created a skincare line before like you surely use skincare you know what you want as a consumer you know what you would like to see in the product so you kind of build the product around that you know the way you view it as a consumer and it's the same for insurance it's no real difference we we wanted an insurance policy that was flexible and affordable and accessible and that's what we're building that's so cool. And I'm assuming on the back end. So if I'm a, if I'm the consumer, so I literally, so I got engaged at Christmas last year and proceeded to lose two stones out of my ring within Did you? months. Yes. Oh, I'm a nightmare. Goodness. Oh my God. I know. I'm just very. Did they heavy. just drop out? Yeah, well, okay. So one, I have no idea what happened. And the mm. other one, I actually dropped it on, but like, for, I'm talking like this height from a, like on my desk. I just, it just slipped out of my hand as I was putting oh. it on. And I was like, well, I don't think that should have happened. Right. It's stressing me out now. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's to the point where I now have a, a placeholder one because I don't wear it anymore. I don't wear my oh. good one because I'm so freaked out about it. I only wear it on special occasions. Wow. Oh my God. But so, and anyway, that was a tangent story, but, (laughs) but so say that happened and I was insured with butter. Are Mm. you, I I remember back to, you know, years and years ago, crashing my car and going through the insurance process. And it was a whole nightmare. I assume butter also wants to fix that side of things as well and make it super easy when a problem does arise to actually make a claim and all of those things. Absolutely. So we, Um, When I said at the beginning that we want to change the way insurance is managed, we've built this um, butter hub or like a butter dashboard. It's a web app. You can log in and no matter kind of where you get that that butter insurance, whether it's directly through butter or through one of our retail partners, which we're always um, also partnering with, you can log on to your butter account and you can see all of your policies in one place. You can cancel them. You can, you know, you can get, get support. And of course you can make claims. So it's just, you know, when did it happen? Where did it happen? That kind of thing. But it's all in like a really easy type form, type flow. And then we update you on the status of that claim and it should be resolved within, you know, five business days. It's, It's really quick, really easy, really intuitive. So how cool working on that yeah <laughs> that is so amazing and that's because it's really interesting like so <laughs> ring it said ring was not insured and I did say that to my partner the other day I'm like, I really think this is one of those things that we need to do as adults yeah, now that, now yeah. That we're doing that. 
Oh my God. That's so cool. So what's the process been like, um, you know, building out that technology? Is that something, have you raised capital? Do you have someone else on the team? Like what's that kind of vibe look like? Yeah. So we raised a little bit of money just to get that app done and to get us off the ground. So we did Mm -hmm. um, a pre-seed round in two tranches. Tranche one was that little bit of cash just to get us going. Um, We completed that in December last year. And then we actually hired a contractor um, to build the web app. Shout out to five to one. They're amazing. Cool best friend and advisor now as well. So Steph Steph and I didn't have, you know, a technical background, um, Mm. which I think used to be kind of like a barrier to startups or people, Um, it was a perceived barrier to kind of starting a business. Um, But it's just not the case anymore. It's it's mm. just as easy to kind of hire an amazing contractor and sometimes cheaper. Mm. Um, And they kind of built the web app for us, which is amazing. And now we're looking to hire some software engineers to kind of take that over and run with it, which is cool. That is so cool. I love that you said that. So a decade ago when we were building a software platform, it was very much the case that it was like big cash, like, you know, huge salaries for software engineers, all of those things. I mean, that's still the case. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Once they're in-house. But I feel like there's so many things now that you can kind of, you know, you can just get up a website on Squarespace in an afternoon, right? And start testing your idea. That's literally it. Like you can, Mm. you know, if you have an idea, um, I mean, insurance companies a little bit takes a bit longer because there's a bit more regulation. (laughs) But, you know, if you, if you had an e-commerce business or something, Mm. you do, you do set it up on Shopify. You can take payments by Stripe. You can market by, you know, there's so many tools that you can use. Use your database on Airtable. You could build your web, you could build your web app on Bubble. Like there's so many kind of software as a service tools. Mm. You can get it up and running in a week, really. Yes. If you you wanted to. It's so cool. No, I just want to say that. No, 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 but it's so true. And I just, you know, I, when I speak to people who want to take the leap, like go from corporate to startup, that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest barriers in their mind is like, Mm -hmm. where the do I start? You know, like it's just too hard, but I, and I, and I know like, so I've made the mistake before of building, building, building and not validating it, not testing it with customers, spending lots of money and it being the wrong thing. But I'm like, now you don't have to do that. Like exactly like yeah. you said, you can create something awesome in like yeah. a day to a week and have it out there and see if people will buy it. Yeah. Just start. I think that's like, I actually have your, your love notes to female founders. And I think that's the first Aww. page is start, start today. It's oh my God. Scary. I'm so happy that you have that. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's like everyone, no one knows what they're doing. Like no yeah. one knows how to start. No one knows how to make the jump from corporate to startups because you've probably never done it before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you just have to start and learn and, and keep going if you like it. And if not, go back to your corporate job. It's not like they're to find <laughs> totally and it's really interesting so you said you uh side hustled for a bit um yeah. which I also love like you don't have to actually burn the bridge exactly you know. in fact I would encourage people like not to do that <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah sorry when I say start today I mean start building or planning or yeah. thinking about it um but we kind of spent six months um building up you know testing it and going out to investors and seeing if it kind of had legs and um 
playing with a few designs and things like that, creating decks. Mm. Um, but also, you know, saving that little nest egg from our kind of corporate salaries to be able yes. to go salary list for a couple of months, mm. um, which we did. And that's really important because if you have no money, I mean, if you have no money kind of sitting there um, backing you up, it's really hard to kind of make that jump and, um, you know, you might give up after two or three months because there's just no cash and it's really hard. So, yeah. yeah, that is a really good point. Like the financial, like stress. Wellness again. Really, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh my God, I love this. Good theme for the show. <laughs> but it's so true. Like if you are thinking about the money, then you make different decisions for the business. And you're exactly. right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. You might make hastier decisions that'll get you a quick buck, but not kind of more long term decisions, I guess. So, yeah, I think having that nest egg. Um, for me was really important because it allowed me the freedom to kind of, you know, give it, um, give it a good chunk of time before assessing, okay, well, is this, is this going to work or not? Yeah. No, I think pressure. Exactly. And I just think, you know, it's really interesting. Like I do love the, the financial wellness thing that's going back, but it is so true. Just like, you know, taking as much stress at, like there is enough stress building a business without exactly. adding in the fact that you can't eat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, build, say, put some pennies away. Love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Then do it. So talk to me, you've mentioned um, capital raising. What was mm-hmm. that process like? Yeah. So I, I said we raised a tranche one. We've actually just raised tranche two. So we've raised in oh, cool. total I think um, just under a million dollars. When we close this tranche too, it'll be just over. Um, It is very daunting to begin with. Um, We learned a lot along the way though, particularly with the type of investors that we Mm. wanted on our um, cap table, I think. So, you know, when we started when we started in the startup world, we thought that VC money was kind of the be all and end all. And you had to um, get the interest of those big venture capitalists. Otherwise you'd never survive. And um, we got the interest of a couple of them, but we kind of learned along the process that actually angel investment um, is much better for us, at least at this early stage, because mm-hmm. those angels have a, um, you know, expertise across all different areas of business. Mm-hmm. And you, we can, you know, we've got five or six angels at least that we can kind of call up on any given day and say, hi, I don't know how to do this. Like, tell me how you did this in your business or whatever. And they can tell yes. us, which is amazing. You know, um, VCs sometimes give that kind of support, but it's very face-to-face. It's a very personal kind of relationship between us and our angel investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we learned a lot about and and we really you know appreciate that relationship with our angels um you also learn a lot about what to say and what not to say about you know uh, I guess like um we kind of had to predict some questions because there's not enough time in kind of 30 minutes to answer every question that and investors won't ask every question. Yes. So you have to be able to kind of almost predict the things that they should know about your business and make sure you say those things and then don't worry about kind of any waffly stuff in the end. It takes a while to refine that pitch though. So that was probably a big, a big tip. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I am. Um, so I've raised capital as well. And I love that. So that's what I used to do um, when I first, because the same, I just didn't know what I was doing when I started. I was yeah. like, I don't know, someone that can lend me a hundred bucks, let alone invest in a company. Literally. It's 
bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. Like it is, it's a learning process. Like I used to, every meeting I took, I used to write down all the questions that they asked until I yes. realized they all asked the same questions. And there's like, a pattern. So cool. yeah. yeah. There's a pattern. Um, and I think one other thing that like you kind of learn raising money for the first time, I, I remember when someone like gave us our first hundred thousand dollars and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I have, someone else's money kind of in my hands like this is so daunting it's really yeah. stressful um for the first like you know little bit because mm. you I've never seen that amount of money in my entire life so yeah. you know so, yeah. it's really stressful to take that <laughs> oh, from someone. Yeah, yeah but but then you have to kind of remember they're backing you you got to back yourself it's going to yes. be okay yeah so that was another kind of learning I guess from raising capital yeah I mean it is super interesting that's such a great point I like you know it's probably the second time we've touched on you know back yourself imposter syndrome those types of things but like I find that investors yes they back good ideas that they think might make them money someday but the thing that I have learned especially about angels is that they're backing you they're backing totally. the fact that even if what you just said you were going to do doesn't quite pan out, you'll figure out a way to make the vision work. Exactly. It's like, you know, um, your ability to problem solve or pivot or, you know, abandon an idea when it's not going right. Like how, how can you take this business to the next level? I think that, yeah, the angels that we have, they love butter. They love the idea of butter. But like I said, we, we have a really close relationship with them. So I think they're backing Steph and I too. That is so cool. I was chatting to another female founder um, uh, yesterday or the day before, and she's really early stage, but backed by VC. And there's like Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure to get it right, to move quickly. Like I think totally spot on about angels. There's a little bit more strategic alignment and, you know, that relationships that you can build and, you know, expertise that you can get into your business early. That's such a smart Mm -hmm. move. Yeah. Uh, I think in this market, it's been quite interesting to watch some really big startups who were very publicly, you know, backed by big VCs who have had to make a lot of, you know, job cuts and, um, you know, that kind of thing um, because of potentially, and I'm speculating that, that the kind of VC, um, way of running startups recently has been you know grow at all costs like spend the capital grow 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 higher 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 take every opportunity instead of kind of taking a little bit more of a measured approach and sometimes yeah that pressure really can get to founders and and they have to do that or they feel like they have to do that so I think watching um those companies kind of you know lay off staff um, is a learning experience for all other founders as well that maybe, you know, everyone just calm down a little bit. <laughs> we just People? take a bit more measured, measured approach, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's such an important point though because it is like exactly what I've noticed as well is, you, yeah, you see mm-hmm. grow, 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 like all the headlines are we've raised this many billions yeah. of hired this many people look at our fancy new office and then when the market change yeah everyone loses their job because suddenly it's like oh got to focus on profit yeah (laughs) well that's it it's like why are we measuring success by the amount people can raise instead of the amount that they're like making for the business it's a bit you know it's just a bit headlines and I think yeah it's been a bit of a wake-up call in the past six months 
in this Don't, moody, moody market. <laughs> but it's, it is important to look beyond the headlines. I think it's really tough as a founder coming in, especially if you're like corporate escapee, new founder coming mm-hmm. in and you're just reading media, you're on startups.com or whatever it is. And mm. that's all you hear. So you're like, oh, obviously I have to raise money. Obviously I exactly. have to you know, build some kind of crazy product. Obviously I have to scale like a unicorn. Otherwise I'm a failure. (laughs) That's totally it. And there's so many businesses that like are so profitable and they're not, you know, in the limelight every second of every day. It just, you know, they don't correlate necessarily, but yeah, you have to learn that too. There's no headline that's like, congratulations on profitable slogan. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you hit profitability. Well done. (laughs) Oh, my God. There needs to be like an anti-startups media outlet. Like there's the good news. I would love that. Yeah. Ones that only tell good news stories. There has to be like startup, like level-headed media come out. Yeah. Yeah. Stop down or something. Just (laughs) (laughs) Chillout.com. Yeah, yeah I love it. Oh, so yeah. good, so good. So, what's next? Um, you know, what's kind of coming up for you guys? What are you working on and planning for? Well, I guess it's the end of the year now, so maybe twenty twenty. No, it's still. So we are. We've been pushing for launch, you know, for a while. So we're just pre-launch, but we're so so close. Mm. I, I want to say November. I'm going to put it on the record and say yeah. November. And if we, you've got to hold hold me to it now. Well, um, I won't put a date. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every day, November. <laughs> yeah. Well, we really want to get into market for obviously Christmas because people are buying expensive stuff at Christmas or in the sales that they should have that insurance on, um, whether that's, you know, gadgets or things like that. So we're hopefully launching within the next month. That's Mm -hmm. the plan. So laser focused on, you know, um, getting every dotting all of our I's and crossing all of our T's with our underwriter, getting all of our really boring processes, you know, in place um, so that it runs quite smoothly when we actually launch. So into, into all the boring stuff, but also the marketing stuff, which is quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting question, actually. So what's the plan? Um, So Spark, we always like to talk about um, sales and marketing is your best friend. If you don't have customers, you may not have a business. So keen to hear what the plan is there. What do you plan to do from a sales and marketing point of view once you're ready? Yeah, so the sales side of butter is quite um, different to other insurance. So most insurance is direct to consumer only. Mm. Um, And we think it's kind of not enough anymore to ask customers to log into Google and type in insurance and then kind of fight for the top five spots on Google and throw money into, you know, Google ads like that. It's just a bit, it's a bit old school and it's a bit lazy. So um, the way we wanted to distribute butter was actually through retail partners. So putting um, butter into checkout flows, the same way that buy now pay letter kind of sits in that checkout, butter will actually sit in checkouts. Um, so that, yeah, yeah. So, so that means like, it's kind of twofold. First of all, it's really convenient for the customer to take out and you're kind of taking it out at the point in time when you want it, which is when you've just spent your money on this brand new, amazing thing that you've just bought. Um, but secondly, it makes it kind of super, seamless because we use the data from that transaction to actually populate the quote and buy in for that insurance so instead mm-hmm. of you doing a form where you're like it cost this much and I bought it on this date and here's my receipt that's all done so yeah. you just click a button and you have insurance which is 
so much easier than kind of doing all of those forms. Um, so that's kind of the sales aspect. We, we will do direct to consumer as well, but we will have those kind of retail partnerships, I guess. Yes. Um, first distribution partnership is actually through FPOS, which is really, really cool. That so, is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh amazing. God. Yeah. They have been, they have been incredible um, and super supportive of Butter. So we'll mm-hmm. kind of integrate into their new digital ecosystem, which they're building out at the moment um, and sit within that as an insurance provider. So you can pay wow. using your, your iPhone and get, and get Butter on that item at the same time, which is amazing. So that's kind of the sales, I guess, distribution strategy. Yeah. Um, in terms of marketing, I mean, we really don't want to be boring (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah yeah, like there's so many boring insurance ads and I'm just so sick of seeing them on tv um from what we call the acronyms which is you know GIO and RMA (laughs) (laughs) yes um so a little bit cheeky um a little bit more I guess organic so Mm. Um, TikTok is amazing and not, I'm not talking about, you know, TikTok ads. I'm talking about, you know, accounts like Ryanair and Duolingo who aren't even selling you stuff, but they are selling you stuff at the same time. They're just kind of entertaining, um, more like posters, like Milkrun style advertising is awesome. Just different, like different and more engaging and less throwing money into Facebook ads and hoping that something sticks. Um, It's particularly important with insurance because, you know, you're not constantly thinking about insurance, like you're constantly thinking about food or FMCG or something, you know, um, consumer goods. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something where you kind of have to capture um, a customer where they're thinking about insurance. So obviously putting butter at checkout helps with that, but we also want to capture, you know, particular times in people's lives and particular areas where people are shopping and that kind of thing so that it's quite targeted and we're not you know wasting our precious precious marketing budget (laughs) I mean but it's so interesting I do love that because there is so much same same out there right now and I really feel like even social media right it's just a lot of crap that you're just scrolling through and so and it's so like obvious when something is an ad. It's so, well, that's the thing. I think like Instagram is falling out of favor a little bit because it's so hyper curated. Like yeah. brands are spending upwards of, you know, half a million dollars to create kind of one shoot that'll give them yes. maybe a month's worth of Instagram content, which is just ridiculous. And people no, it's kind of, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And people can see through it. And it's like, yeah. I'm bored of that, you know, like that kind of hyper curated, aesthetically pleasing um, advertising. I just, I feel like it's falling out of favor a little bit, at least with me. I, I resonate oh, more to like it is, the organic it is. stuff. I concur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. That's awesome. And I, I assume as well, like with the financial wellness lens, there will be a little like education piece in there. So there'll be the, the, funny the relatable the organic but maybe a little bit of education too dropped in yeah there there will be I mean um we don't we like people know about insurance I think the education piece is more um 
There's it's, a different. It's not. Yeah, it's a different option. Like it's a you know, butter is quite a different proposition to yeah, um, home and contents insurance, and I guess educating people about that difference and that point of difference and um, why it's actually smart to kind of proactively get insurance and get instead of reactively getting insurance at some kind of milestone or like when you you know drop your <laughs> engagement <laughs> ring and lose two stars um I think I mean, that, that only happened to me <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that will be the education piece here you go education starts here ensure your engagement ring <laughs> oh my god I love it you know what if you change one person's life you've, changed, you've done well yes. <laughs> amazing oh my god that's so good Oh, I love it so much. All right. Let's wrap up on one last question for you. Oh my so, God. I didn't even realize the time. I know. I, I feel like we a bottle of wine and talk. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Let's wrap it up then. Okay. Right. Hit me. Hit me. Yeah, so a lot of people tuning into Spark TV are early stage founders. Yes. And, you know, Yay. from the out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> From the outside looking in, you know, you're going through it right now, right? Like there are good days, bad days. You know, before we hit record, we were talking about coming off the high of some huge startup events. So, you know, balancing the energy, maintaining the energy can be quite difficult. Um, And, you know, you've got a co-founder, so you've got someone to bounce off. You know, lots of people Mm. are solo founders. Is there any piece of wisdom, advice or an insight that might help people keep going if they're having a bit of a, a rough day as a female founder? I think it's be kind to yourself like you have to be kind to yourself I just read something on LinkedIn this morning that was that said you know being a startup founder is is champagne and razor blades so it's really which <laughs> oh, sounds very we brought the champagne. <laughs> no, today's a champagne day so it's good um we it, it's really up and down and um I think you have to um you know stay in your own lane a little bit because it's so easy to get distracted by you know those headlines like we were talking about I raised a million dollars this company you know hired a hundred people this company is partnered with x and you kind of have to put the blinders on a little bit yeah and focus on your own success in your own lane and it will come like you know the success will come to you um but also be kind to yourself in that process so if you're having a bad day take a break Mm. no one's gonna die if you don't reply to an email it's fine (laughs) um we're not surgeons we're not saving um you know curing cancer or ending well people oh some founders are I'm not true (laughs) one of them Um, (laughs) yeah but but just be kind to yourself take take time because I think you know what we found is if if you're not at your best, not mm. only does that impact on other aspects of your life beyond your business, but also your business will suffer. Like inevitably, if there's burnout in you, the founder or in your team, the business will suffer. It's inevitable. So it's really important to be kind to yourself and take care of yourself and stay focused to stay in your, keep your blinders on. I love it so much. Cassie, you are incredible. Cheers. Cheers. And everything you're building at Butter, I can't Thank wait you. to harass you until launch day. <laughs> I know. Every day in November, I'm going to get an email. Like, Can you do it yet? <laughs> I promise I won't. But no, I'm going to read. A, I'm going to read a love note every day until I'm <laughs> until I until we launch. Just oh my god, nothing makes me happier. That is so good. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, you're Thank awesome. You so that was really fun. 
It was. Cheers. Cheers. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.